right, welcome to the Edtrex Rewind Podcast. It's day two of South by Southwest EDU, or as I've learned over the last day or two, South by EDU. Um, shortens it up just a little bit. I don't know if you guys picked that up, but everybody says South by EDU. I think they've been here before. So the rookie is South by Southwest. But I'm Quinn Henderson, and I am an innovation and design thinking teacher, as well as a technology coordinator. And we also have a few others with us here today, and we'll just go around and do introductions. So. Yeah, so uh, I'm Dak Cedarholm. I'm a sixth grade teacher and also an ed tech coach, and it's my first time, so welcome, Dax. I'm Ryan James, uh, digital media instructor out at Roy High School. And I'm Matt Winters. I'm an ELA teacher in Northern Utah. All right. Well, welcome. So I think this is where I want to start today. So Dax, Ryan, you're both with me today. We went on the puzzle bus. Let's talk about the puzzle bus. Woo, awesome. Woo. World champs. <laughs> World champs. I think we do have the fastest time. I think we got to maybe look online to see if, if our time's held up, but six minutes, 36 seconds. Yeah. Right? So talk about your experience on the puzzle bus. Uh, I love the collaboration. You know, we, right from the get-go, it was working together and, you know, separation in small groups and big groups. It was good. So I wasn't in the bus. So right. explain to me what the process was. Like, how did you, like, what was it like when you got on? What kind of puzzles? Well, I don't want you guys to give away the secrets because there's going to be people doing this all over the country, right? Right. Maybe we could throw in some red herrings for those people <laughs> yeah, who yeah. are going to go try it. Don't go on. towards the Picasso. Yes. Picasso's a red herring. Yes. Totally stay away from the Picasso. Well, the puzzle bus, yeah, it was, it was just that. They kind of scaled down what you would find in an escape room. And they did it so it could be solved in about 10 minutes possibly. Um, and with a group of four, five, or six people is generally what we'd go through there. We'd actually climb into the bus, look at the clues, solve the clues, unlock the locks as you go, and try to really just essentially escape the bus. Right? So that, that's basically what happens after that. But they did a good job of setting that up before about what your expectations were, and then they would move you into the bus, and then we would debrief after. So let's go inside the bus. When you got on the bus, what did you see? What did you think? Well, first of all, they set up a narrative, so you get a, a little bit of a story telling you about these, uh, you know, students trapped, and you've you, you've got to get in there and, and solve the problem. So, you know, you got. I think that's key too, is the narrative gives you that motivation to solve it. Um, so that was really good. You walk in, and, and there was like a closet uh, with a couple of. Uh, a calendar type thing and a, yeah, and a poster, a couple of posters, a map a, on yeah. one wall, map, and then they had uh, you know, the images Picasso. around. But uh, you know, you had to kind of think about what the the puzzle was. Now we we have a bit of an advantage because we we've, we've experienced some of those breakout type things, so we know you know immediately we got in. What do we got to look for right now? Is it uh, a series of letters? Is it a code is it a pattern what are we looking for and so you know we kind of looked for that but we knew we'll then search the clues and find out what we need right that's one thing that i thought was really cool when we walked into the bus uh, that caught me off guard was i'm like where's the rest of the bus yeah because it felt like there was the such a small the bus and there was a big cabinet we actually solved our way through the bus right we had to actually go through that cabinet which was pretty cool i don't think that's giving away too much at this point so you got in this tiny little room in the bus, but there was really another room yeah. in the yeah. bus as well. So, But there were some things and clues in there that didn't relate to anything that could get you distracted. 
So uh, inside the bus, were there strategies or things that worked well that you felt were going on when we were inside the bus? Um, you know, like I had said before, working together was a big thing. There's some clues in there that you literally cannot solve unless there's another person with you. And I thought, I thought that was pretty clever, you know, to kind of make you do the collaboration. Yeah, there was one point I was looking at, at the clues on the wall and it was not clicking for me. And somebody suggested, they go, oh, well, what about this? And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. It would have taken me forever to figure that out. So that really helps with the collaboration. Really kind of brings to light how important it is if you're to work with other people because you can work more quickly and more efficiently. And that seems like it was a theme today at the conference was collaboration, talking to people like... Um, so, like, I started my day with a session on, on Disney, which I'm not a Disney person at all, but, like... Oh, I was, come on, Pete. I'm sorry, man. I just, it's just... I'm not. Um, and they were talking about their collaboration between... I was really interested in how they were disseminating their, their intellectual property. And so they were talking about how they, they've gone into communities and, and set up collaborations with the schools and the, the partners in the community and doing all these different things with it. And then, just like an hour later, I was in a session that was... Uh, Oculus working with Facebook, working with MIT to develop proper like motivational or proper like educational systems for VR technology. And so like all of these sessions I kept going to were collaboration, 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 collaboration. Well, tell us really why you left the Disney session though. I'm not a musical theater person, never have been, <laughs> and they were going to start making us sing and I just can't do it to myself. You don't know till you try? Oh, I've tried. Put yourself out there. Remember we talked yesterday about being vulnerable? <laughs> right, think I was, about this story you would have to tell. <laughs> I was plenty vulnerable today without having to sing The Lion King. I'm good. <laughs> what about you guys? Did you see any threads of collaboration today other than the puzzle bus throughout any of the other sessions? Or well, any other great there things? There was the session uh, Ryan and I were in today, um, which was the improv and engineering to develop lesson mm. session. So that title right off the bat definitely drew in Ryan and I and Alan was there um, too. But we were collaborating within that. And I think one of the things that I took away from that when we were doing some of these improv activities um, was that when we were kind of doing this improv thing, it was collaborating, even though you know we would ask a question back and forth, kind of play the yes and game that they mm -hmm. do in improv to help facilitate the whole, whole sketch that they're doing. We would say, yes, I know. And then they would say something, and then it'd be, yes, I know. And we would kind of build on that. And it, it really felt like you're collaborating, but you're also building each other up in confidence. So whatever work you're setting off to do after that is probably going to be better work just by raising it up a little bit. Yeah, I think in that case, you know, improv doesn't exist without collaboration. I mean, it does. You could have a single person improv, but the limitations would be there. The key is somebody else is taking you to that next step. So that was, you know, a good part of that. Definitely a lot of collaboration. And later on, in the engineering part, um, they talked about this a lot, being empathic and um, thinking about the, the lesson through your, the eyes of your students. But in order to do that, you have to, that's a collaborative process in and of itself is, you know, teaching. You, you need the student to feed off of too. And, and they were talking about feedback, the importance of feedback and, and paying attention to that and managing that and, and, and functioning under that so you knew how your lesson was going. It was really powerful because they had people in the, the, the class, uh, like some had to put on uh, headphones so you could not, they couldn't hear. Others were covered, their eyes were covered. 
and they did limitations like that so that you these uh, teachers could see what it would be like as a student with some kind of difficulty there. Maybe, you know, mistranslate your entire PowerPoint or whatever it was so that you see what it would look like to somebody who's, you know, a, a, a second dyslexia. language. Yeah, or dyslexia or just anything so you go, okay, this is where I need to help those students. Mm -hmm. It was really powerful. Now that brings up another thing that I think I see in, in a lot of the sessions that I go to, whether it's there really prominent in the message or it's more subtle, is the human-centered approach. And thinking about whatever you're doing, how it affects people, affects the student, affects the teacher, and all that. And that, that's sometimes, you know, teachers work within their own four walls. They kind of start to just think about themselves and how things affect them a little bit. And they getting them to shift back, I think, is, is a big thing. So I think I also take along with the collaboration part, and like Ryan said, that understanding people is a collaborative process, mm -hmm. yes. too. I go back to that uh, improv session as well. My favorite activity from that, and I think, Matt, you'll appreciate this being a language arts, um, just because there's words involved. I don't know <laughs> any other reason why, so um, that was a unfair assumption on my part. But it was essentially, we started off with one word. What did we start with today? What was the word? Do you remember? Uh, you mean our word? Our word that we did at our table. We all picked oh, one word uh, from from like some uh, teaching objective, Texas teaching objective. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. That's right. We picked the word <laughs> yes. sarcasm. And we were tasked with writing down the next word that we thought of and the next word and the next word that kind of came to mind until we had nine new words there. And then we started to kind of compare them and pick mm -hmm. another word or pick a couple of words and start to design a lesson around those. And you, you shared a good example, Ryan, of how you've used a similar process to kind of get the kids thinking about it. How, do you, how did you use it? So, you know, with creativity, um, you know, sometimes it's really hard if you just give students a blank slate. You say, okay, go write a story or go create a video game. Um, that's really tough. But then once you give them one constraint, it's like everything goes crazy. So we've done this where we we do this type of word association, but usually I have them pass it, so the words get really unique. And then we take it back and we gather it back and we go, okay, what could you do? Like one of my words was, you know, it ended up being bubbles. And so where do you, how do you get sarcasm and bubbles? But you put those two, you put a constraint there and if I were to say, okay, your video game has to have bubbles in it and soap or something like that, all of a sudden the kids are like, well, it could be a game about eliminating bacteria or it could be that you got this cleaner that student and all of a sudden they have thousands of ideas and it's just flowing out just by putting in that that little thought process and it saying okay you don't have the whole world Matt now let's let take these and can you create something and they can well you're also giving them a problem to solve too yeah right. rather than having it just be complete open world you're saying here is the constraints like you say and that creates a problem which gives them something to solve which gives them an area and an activity to work in Yep, I completely agree. I love. I can't wait to just do simple word association as a warm up activity with my students, or I'm working with teachers in a training. I think that just doing that small little exercise gets mm -hmm. them going. So, did anybody see any good technology today? Anything that you were out there going, "Woohoo! That's amazing!" Well, here's what I like. This is my first experience today in front of the Jamboard. Mm -hmm. um, so, Google's Jamboard interacting with that. So, I just walked up as they were doing a little demonstration before the session began. I downloaded the app and I just, you just search for nearby boards and my name popped up on the board. Actually popped up on two boards. I was joining all the boards I could. And they would just accept it on it. And then I could start throwing up notes. I could start putting in pictures. I could start sending Google Docs to this board. 
So it turns out you can have 50 people collaborating on that board. Another thing I liked about it, um, if you've used a smart board, um, this is so much more sensitive. It's so much more responsive, so much more natural. It wasn't, I mean, it was just very user-friendly, something I really was excited about. And if I had one tool, I think, um, that was probably the smoothest type of interactive board that I've seen yet. We've, we've been through quite a few in our district. Anybody else see anything out, else out there that they... Well, I, I, I got to go with the first one, first experience I had today, which is the, uh, um, we were walking through the, it was you and I and uh, Alan, and we were wandering through just the convenient or the conference center. I'm looking for the company that, or the group that we found their name on Twitter, but they had these, uh, it's called mouse. Um, and they had these little tray of stuff out and it had a light di diode and then little, uh, batteries and i was like i want to do this immediately because i was like i've seen this i've never done it before and so they give you the diode put it through some paper strap it in with a uh uh the battery and some tape and you've got a light up badge and it was mm -hmm. super cool but it's just this little thing that if you were to show it to a student they blow their minds yeah but it's something that costs 35 cents i mean it was just so cool just to start off the whole day that was really interesting yeah, that was uh, that was a good way to start the day. I think I've still got got mine here. It's been lighting up all day. What about any quotes? Any other moments that stand out um, today from uh, any of the sessions? The keynote this morning. Oh man, I even for I forgot the keynote, but I loved it. Keynote. Oh, you know what I loved about him? And we'll have to pull up his name here. But uh, what I loved about him was just the energy. Mm -hmm. You know, the any, any I sat there going, and this is just in the first thirty seconds that he's on stage. I'm going, what would it be like? to just deliver with that much energy every time, that much passion all the time. I mean, that's just not my normal nature is to come off with that much energy, bump up energy, but to be around that all the time, how could you not kind of get up and want to do something? I really liked his, uh, kind of the motto they had for his, his what was he at a university? Mm -hmm. Yeah. University Paul President. Quinn. Paul Quinn University. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he had, they had the motto of, of we over me. And you know, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, they think, you know, before before you think about yourself, you're thinking about the people around you and, you know, kind of having that community. And I was thinking about that in, you know, a classroom setting. You know, if everyone has had that motto of, okay, it's we over me, so, you know, we're taking care of each other. And when we take care of each other, then we're kind of taking care of ourselves as well. Yeah, a couple of moments from there. Michael Sorrell, by the way. Yeah. That was the keynote. President at Paul Quinn. But this was the quote that really stood out with me, but he said, maybe the problem wasn't you couldn't learn, but the teacher couldn't teach, right? And put it in perspective a little bit, making students sometimes feel like it's them, that they're the problem, when really, if they could step back and look at it a little bit, maybe it's the teacher that was the problem. Sometimes we put a little blame on the students. And then roses can grow out of concrete um, was another thing that stood out from what he had said too. So there's kind of, the the whole concept of education as being nation building mm. not test scores or anything else it was all about nation building it was how can we make our community better and that was awesome that was you know likewise in our classes you know we want the kids to be better a, a better community and understand that uh, being part of the we over me is the important thing yeah, and I loved his going along with that. The 
he had this the keys to create a movement discussion and the first point was failure 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 <laughs> then it was righteous lover lo- uh, rager love vision a plan keep going stick to it and it felt like multiple sessions i went into brought up the idea of failure in very interesting dynamic ways like there was a couple sessions on policy that talked about the idea of we need to do certain things to have uh, education go forward, but then they forgot about the failure aspect, that there's going to be problems with it. We have to acknowledge that. It's just such an interesting parallel to start and end the day with. I, I started my end of my day with higher education, and so it was really interesting to see the comparison between different things that were going on. But not to be overlooked, one of my favorite stories from uh, Michael Sorrell, turning the football field into okay. a garden. It's great. A farm. Right. Right, essentially, what his he was said we are, we sent more was it potatoes or carrots or something to the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> the than we did NFL. football players to the NFL. So, but but what a brave move though to do something yeah. like that to disrupt it enough. But understanding that change is needed, and mm-hmm. that you know it's going to take sometimes a drastic measure, what might be drastic to some, to really move forward. So well, and nobody let him forget it either. There's that bit at the end. I think it may have been when I was walking out. Maybe it was in the Q and A, but he was talking about how. No one at his university had people at his university always saying they should have never hired you for this job. You were terrible at this. And it was because of those scary chances that he took, destroying, well, not destroying, but revamping the football team into a, a farm and those sorts of things. It's, it's amazing how he overcame that and just went forward with the plan no matter what. And it's obviously been successful. Yes, I would completely agree. Um, that was kind of a stall tactic, I know. I, mean, I get the looks right now. I'm like, I what were you, what, no, okay, what were you looking at? Where to go next? You know, I'm, I'm just looking through my whole whole feed today, but there was that session we stepped into, teach, kind of teacher retention-wise. Oh, that was why, great, yeah. Why are teach, teachers leaving for ed tech? It was just one of those short sessions. 20 minutes. And, and you you and I have had conversation about this a lot, about why, why teachers leave, but what did we boil it down to? Uh, basically, not no support from administration slash no no ability to innovate. Right, and that that was really what we've talked about before we went into that session. That was nice to be able to hear, you know, from somebody yeah. else in another state that was far away. Really, have kind of draw those same conclusions. Yeah. So it, it's it's comforting to to draw the same conclusion, but at the same time, it's still a challenge and a problem that's. That needs some attention. Yeah, okay. So, so how do we fix it, right? But that's kind of a whole other session. And, and yeah, one uh, one um, other thing I just feel like we don't mention was we went to the moth, the moth, and learned about nice. I got to hear about storytelling. Um, it was fantastic. I mean, talk about communication, but uh, giving each other voices. But beyond that is also this process that, that I thought was the coolest part is this process of you have a story and let's find it, let's share it, and then let's uh, help you get better at telling this story and, and making this story, you know, just going through uh, what makes a story relevant and, and something that you can share and that people want to hear. Uh, it was fantastic. So that, that was one of the things that I really enjoyed, and I'd be interested to get both of your perspectives. So Dax teaching sixth grade and mm-hmm. Ryan in the high school. Like, the storytelling idea, and even Matt, you're in your junior high school, so we have really all yeah. the levels represented but that storytelling process, how would you take that back into your class? Any of you planning to do that, or, or how would you integrate? What would that look like? Yeah, so, well, first, the, 
what I kind of took away today from that from that session was, you know, after me telling some stories and hearing some other stories from the people around me, uh, you know, I think we naturally think think that we're different, you know, that we're so different from from everyone. But then, as you start to hear other people's stories, you find connections, you know, almost immediately. And so I was thinking about that, you know, kind of my classroom setting, you know, this is kind of the age where they start to feel, you know, a little disconnected, you know, different from other people. And it's, and it's, first of all, it's sad to see, but the storytelling process is awesome because it gets students, you know, that may have, think that they have nothing in common with other people. And then they start to tell these stories and all of a sudden they're like, oh, dude, that happened to me too, you know, or, or I, I can totally relate to that. And so, and I saw that today in our in our session. You know, you start to connect with people, and you start to relate to them, and it and it gives you that you know connection with the other person. And so, for students, I think that would be huge. You know, for them to have you know even some of these students that feel like they don't have you know good connections with anyone at school, storytelling would be a great way to get them feeling connected with their you know with the other students. And so, yeah, it was awesome. Not to mention, it's a powerful skill. I mean, to oh, yeah. to. to get up and, and tell a story. Uh, yeah, likewise, I mean, I tell all my media students, I said my number one goal is to make you a storyteller. So, because if you, that's communication and, you know, that's the point. And, and almost all of what I teach is about that, is getting people to see this experience and give them an experience. So storytelling is really important. I think one of the things I want to do is I want to step back. For example, in my movie making class, I want to step back a little bit and say, let's just tell stories. Let's understand what the story is, because usually I'm jumping right into character arc and all these things, trying to get them to write these stories. But I think I'm missing the point, and some of them haven't found their voice yet. And by telling a story of a true experience to them, that's going to have their voice. That is going to be their voice. Now, let's take their theme from that that little short story of, you know, going to prom for the first time or whatever, and let's translate that theme and put it into a another story or an animation or something to that effect that would be a powerful skill for them. It's amazing. Yeah, that's that's what I, I see kind of. And I think the story, the moth, that kind of, it's a collaborative process when you're telling your story because somebody is just listening. Um, even just listening, I think, is part of collaboration. I think that's what we summed up our experience today as collaboration. We learned a little bit about vulnerability yesterday, some collaboration today. So I think it's a pretty good day of South by Southwest. What do you think? I mean, South by. South by. South by EDU. Can't be a newbie. No, I can't. No, I mean, we're day two. We're like veterans now. So South by EDU. You'll never be a unicorn, but you can at least be a veteran. Okay. All right. I'm going to take some time to process that. That's probably a good, good place to say that was a great day two. I can't wait to see what day three brings. All right. We'll see how it goes tomorrow. All right. We'll see you next time.